Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No discutamos. Después de la primera discusión hay muchas más. Hoy terminamos. Welcome everyone to episode 59 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host Jack Rico and you are listening to Luis Miguel's No Discutamos. It's from his Mexico Por Siempre album that just dropped not too long ago. The song is originally a Juan Gabriel hit, but I think that Luis Miguel owns this track. For me, this is now the definitive version of the song. I don't think anybody else can interpret this song any better. His voice sounds healthy, full of power and feeling. Uh, the rest of the album is pretty good as well. It's a return to him singing boleros and rancheras, which he has mastered much like Carlos Vives has mastered by Yenato when he used to be a pop singer. And, uh, you know, it's tough to do when your vocal stylings are made for pop music and you decide to go into a different genre and actually master it to become one of the best interpreters of the genre in your generation. Um, you know, the thing is, Luis Miguel also has a Christmas album. It's called Navidades Luis Miguel, which in my mind is the best Spanish language Christmas album ever made. It's big band arrangements uh, sung in Spanish. It's a crazy yet beautiful combination that I just uh, can't erase from my mind. Check these two albums out from... Arguably the best Latino singer of our generation. That's not offending in any way Mark Anthony, but I just think Luis Miguel sort of summarizes the best of the best in Latino singers uh, for the last 30-some-odd years. With that said, the Golden Globe nominations are coming up this Monday, December 11th. Actually, I'll be on Megyn Kelly's show Monday morning at 9 a.m. to discuss it. But in this episode, I'm honored to have as a guest an institution in the world of film criticism. His name is Jeffrey Lyons. You might have heard of him, you might have seen him when you were a kid growing up and watching sneak previews on PBS like I did. Uh, he breaks down what movies he thinks have a shot at Best Picture at the Golden Globes and mentions to me and suggests some under-the-radar films which you should see anyway. And I had a chance to go to Broadway this week and caught SpongeBob SquarePants the Musical. Everybody I mentioned this to would, would just like laugh at me while they look away. I knew what they were thinking. It's like, oh my God, why would you even bother going to a cartoon musical that's just made specifically for kids? And that's kind of like the preconditioned sort of sentiment that I had going into it. But you're not going to believe what is coming out of my mouth right now. But I think SpongeBob SquarePants is the best new musical on Broadway right now. I know, I know, you think I'm mad, but it's a bit genius somehow. You know, stick around and I'll explain in detail why I feel so strongly 
uh, about the show. So keep your headphones on. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. Jeffrey Lyons is a film critic with a remarkable resume. Apart from having reviewed over 15,000 movies, Mr. Lyons has co-authored six books and co-hosted national movie review shows on PBS, MSNBC, and NBC stations. He is currently the film critic for WCBS Radio in New York. Hi, Jeffrey. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hi there. Actually, it's seven books. Working on my eighth, and my Lyons Den reviews are heard all over these United States, I'm thrilled to report to you. So that's an update. That's awesome. Um, how long have you been in the business already, Jeffrey? November 20th, 1970 was the first movie I reviewed professionally for Channel 11. And I was there for 21 years. And during that time, I also uh, won the audition, the national auditions for sneak previews, succeeding those other guys, which I did for 12 years uh, while staying at Channel 11 for a lot of them. And then uh, in nineteen in 1996, uh, NBC4 uh, came calling, and I was there for almost 13 years. And then they were sold to Comcast, and they had a cut budget or something. Who knows? <laughs> and and uh, so I'm on. I've been on radio since 1974. And That's the year I was born, by the way. I have neckties older than you, Jack. <laughs> Listen, Jack, I have news for you. Paul Paul McCartney had a band before Wings, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. I've heard of them. I think they're called the okay, Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were pretty good. And I've been reviewing movies five a week since 1970, more than anybody ever has. Uh, and I've never lost my thirst for it. You know, on the other hand, as you know, because I see you at screenings, when we've got a beautiful fall day, when it's about 65 degrees mm-hmm. and it's crisp and, it's not, and we have to see Transformers 3, <laughs> you come out two and a half hours closer to the grave for nothing. Yeah, you're right. So uh, it's down in the trenches most of the times. Pero tú en alguna ocasión hiciste críticas de películas en español. De vez en cuando, su dinero, bear with us folks, su dinero pagó para el gobierno norteamericano enviarme a Sudamérica para hablar sobre películas en español. That's meaning your tax dollars sent me on a State Department visit to speak about American movies in Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, wow. and Venezuela. That was in 1976. You were too young to go. And and that was right during the time of the uh, of the junta in Argentina and uh, and the horrible Pinochet in Chile. Uh-huh. So we got to see what life was like there. Wow, that's crazy. Again, I got into trouble. Uh, The word to choose in Spanish is coher. (laughs) Everybody has an issue with that one. In your part of the, where you learned your Spanish, coher means something completely different. Oh, yeah. So I was saying when a director chooses an actress and the rooms would start to laugh and I, I'm not going to give up my way of speaking. <laughs> and so I learned that there are differences in yeah. the language. It's amazing. And, and you know, people who, people who don't know lump Guatemala with Ecuador and Honduras. They're, they speak all speak different dialects of Spanish. That's true. That's true. You know, I learned a Spanish word, a Dominican word, baboso, mm-hmm. which I think translates as sleazy, something like that. Oye, pero eres un baboso. Well, yeah. And in Spain, they don't know what that means. Little green peas in Spain are called guisantes. <laughs> uh-huh. In in South America and Latin America, I think they're chicharos. Now, what do you think about film criticism in general? I guess between the time you started and and what film criticism 
is today in the era of the Rotten Tomatoes? I, I never look at Rotten Tomatoes. I don't like to. I know. I know everybody does, and it's very important. But I don't. I don't like a website named Rotten Tomato. Like that's what you're going to throw at an actor. Um, the night before I became a critic, I had dinner with Ruth Gordon, who at the age of 69 won the Oscar and held it up and said, you can't imagine how encouraging a thing like this is. And she said, remember, Sonny, you're starting your career tomorrow. Think twice before you blank, blank on somebody else's work. Wow. And I never remember, never forgot that. And somebody told me when the plane's going down, before they throw the luggage out, they throw film plates <laughs> out. So, I mean, I saw Siskel and Ebert on TV knock Sandy Dennis, a Tony Award-winning actress, saying she should be in the aluminum siding business. And you don't do that. And I saw them attack uh, Kate Capshaw sitting next to her on The Tonight Show. They were awful on television. They were the first. That's all. They were two newspaper guys right. who dressed terribly. You, when you're on TV, sitting on a couch, you don't cross your legs so the audience is looking at the bottom of your shoe. They turn their nose up at television. And they hated us because we beat them in the ratings a lot of the times. We beat them without any publicity on, mm -hmm. on PBS, and they had big private, you know, commercial TV budgets and salaries, and we beat them in their own town in Chicago. They hated us, but it's ridiculous. Now it's changed. There's only you and there's uh, Sandy Kenyon and very few people left on TV. You know, I'm, I'm not on TV because I, they don't like white hair on TV. There are very <laughs> few, unless you're Anderson Cooper or maybe uh, – uh, uh, you know, the guy on CNN, uh, the Situation Room, Wolf Blitzer. Oh, Wolf Blitzer, yeah. Very few people are, who, who with white hair, unless you're on 60 Minutes. So um, thank goodness for radio, and I can keep doing it. So what do you think is going to happen to film reviews as a whole? Is it going to be just, you know, uh, internet critics? Uh, I you hope know? not. I hope not, uh, as long as I'm doing it. I plan to do it forever. Uh, you know, you, you, uh, an internet critic, you don't know who, where it's coming from. You right. don't know who the person is. <clears throat> you haven't built up a following over the years. You don't know whether to trust them or not. At least that's how I see it. And the New York Times still has a critic. And the Post uh, has a critic. The Daily News does not, generally. But then that's too bad. Yeah. But they, they, they need money. So maybe online they do. Meanwhile, my niece, Margaret Lyons, is the television critic for the New York Times. Every Friday, she has a column in, the, uh, in print. Wait, saying, I know Margaret Lyons. She's your niece? That's my niece. Yeah, my brother's daughter. Wow. Yeah. You know, she writes a thing that says, like, I have half an hour and I want a British comedy. And yeah, that's yeah. Like, and that's all positive stuff. Now, online, it's different. She's free to vent her rage at other things. But she watches TV in the morning, noon, and night for her work. Speaking of TV, Jeffrey, uh, I was wondering what you thought about the Golden Globes coming up. Uh, the nominations are happening this Monday. Yeah, uh, I never used to watch them. I never did because I thought it was silly. They called Pia Zadora the most promising actress and then and, and there was you know it was ho what the hollywood foreign press how can a critic from it the italian magazine luomo or whatever uh -huh. tell tell me that two and a half men is funnier than uh, everybody loves raymond how, how can they do that i can't tell what italian show is funnier so what do you I, why do you think that the golden globes has has come so far it's fun to see all the stars get smashed and sitting with the tv stars and and they're a lot less formal and so I kind of look at them. If there's a if, if there's a Monday night football on, I'll have that on without sound. Uh, you know, I, I, they, they do. We give you an early barometer of the Oscars, I guess. But Oscar nominations uh, come out right after that, and that's the one that really makes or breaks a career. Really Got does. It. Got it. So, so in your opinion, the Golden Globes doesn't have the credibility that no, people I mean, should it's probably not the people's, Cho people's Choice Awards. 
even our broadcast critics award. You're, in, you're, I presume you're in the broadcast film critics, right? BFCA. And, you know, we we have some impact, I guess, but it's okay. It's harmless. It's nice to see stars uh, smashed, you know, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit high, and they're a lot less formal, and they can say whatever they want. Uh, but you know, the Oscars should be serious business, except uh, for the opening monologue. Absolutely. Well, you know, the Golden Globes. Part of what separates it from the Oscars is that um, it honors. Uh, different types of categories, like for I example, know. comedy and musicals uh, each I year. Know, Have know. you seen any 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 worthwhile comedies, comedies or musicals? I have to. Go, I would have to look over the list, and I don't think I have that really made me crack up. Uh, I don't think so. Well, there's the gr- there's Girls Trip, the Disaster Artist. Oh, that was okay. Yeah, uh, well, you you and I are not the intended audience. I understand that. That's the thing. A lot of critics. Uh, uh, forget, you know, uh, that's why I, I often don't go to animated ones because they're critic proof. And if you knock them too much, you sound like a nasty old person. Uh, they're, they're made for children. Most of them are made for children. Right. There are some very, one I'm really looking forward to is Ferdinand. Because oh, the, the yeah. Yes. And I have friends who raise fighting bulls. So I've got to get him a copy of that one. Uh, they're screening it on a Saturday and I'm not going to go on a Saturday and work. So uh, who knows? But uh, so I didn't see. Other than that one, I didn't see many. They don't make many comedy. Well, the Woody Allen movie isn't even a comedy movie. Comedy, so they don't make many comedies anymore. Or so it seems. Yeah. Um, now, what about foreign language films? Have you seen anything international that? Oh that, yeah, that you've I saw liked? a film called Thirteen Minutes. I don't know if you saw that or not. No, not yet. Thirteen. Well, open in January, so you're a little late. But Thirteen Minutes is a true story of a tinkerer, a watchmaker, who knew that Hitler was going to give a speech on the 10th anniversary of the Beer Hall Putsch, uh, the, I'm sorry, uh, the 17th anniversary of the Beer Hall Putsch in Munich, and he knew where Hitler was going to stand, and he built a bomb right and placed it right under the podium. And unfortunately for world history, it rained that day, and Hitler had to get back to Berlin. So instead of flying later in the afternoon when the weather would clear, he took the train earlier and cut his two-hour speech to one hour, and the bomb went off just 13 minutes after he left and killed 60 people. And the, it's a musical. No, I'm kidding. And the, and the guy, the guy who put the guy who planted the bomb was captured right away and tortured. And it's a true sounds story like Valkyrie. Yeah, it's a, uh, uh, a big pardon. Sounds like Valkyrie, like from Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's very similar. Uh, and but this is an unsung hero, heretofore unsung hero. That to me was one of the best foreign language films. Then I love the documentary called Big Sonia. Hmm. Big Sonia is just opening now. It's a true story of a Holocaust survivor who ran the only remaining store in an abandoned mall in Kansas City, a dress shop and a tailor to business, she and her husband. And she survived Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen, which is where Anne Frank died. And she goes around to schools and prisons and lectures on, on the Holocaust and shows off the uh, arm, the number on her arm. And she came to my film club, and uh, everybody in my film club, like two, 250, 300 people, got to meet her afterwards, and they mobbed her. And they, she said she, she slipped me her phone number. She's 92. And she, she <laughs> says she, want, she wants Barbara Streisand to play her in a movie, and she's feisty. And, she, and I asked the director, who was her granddaughter, I said, did you have to reshoot any scenes? He said, yes, her driving scenes. <laughs> 92. That's crazy. Wow. That's the film I hope people see. Um, and then uh, before I let you go, Jeffrey, you know, how would you, how would you summarize this year in terms of quality movie making? Do you think this was a great year for movies? There were some, especially movies about World War II. And I'll tell you several that made my list. One call that you probably missed called Their Finest. 
Their finest takes place right after Dunkirk, when the British people needed to raise their morale. So this troop of actors headed by, um, what's his name from, oh, I'll say in a minute. Anyway, uh, uh, Bill Nye, who's mm-hmm. always like, he plays a ham actor. They put on a little play for, that, I'm sorry, they're going to make a little movie for the British people to lift their spirits. And they have to recreate Dunkirk. So instead of the, the 400,000 experts uh, extras in the movie Dunkirk, in the movie, within the movie, they painted some soldiers off in the distance and put it on a piece of glass and put it in front of the camera, <laughs> and that was Dunkirk. And I like that film a lot. And then I like Dunkirk, uh, and I like Darkest Hour about Churchill, uh, and I like the Washington Post movie called The Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Victoria and Abdul, Shot Caller, a tough prison movie. Uh, I like The Exception with uh, Christopher Plummer as Kaiser Wilhelm. And I like two movies about fathers and sons called Dean with Kevin Klein and Brad Status with Ben Stiller taking his son around to colleges, wondering about his own oh, life. Oh, yes, Did he make a Ben Status. Sweet movie, yeah. That's right. I, it's, it's on my queue. Did you see Call Me By Your Name by any chance or yes, The Florida Project? Uh, what a, what the, first of all, the first one I thought was the most pretentious bore of the year. Call Me By Your and, Name. Yeah, and the second one, I mean, one of the few people who did not like the Florida Project. I don't know how you felt that. You probably liked it. Right? I, I did. I did like it because um, you know, I had it's... no interest in this woman, this druggy cover with tattoos and and with the kids running around them. them I, mean, I kept saying, "What is Willem Dafoe doing in this dreary movie?" I thought it was just so, and it's going to get nominated. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, what about the Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro and Francis McDormand? You know, uh... He made Pan's Labyrinth, one of the great films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I didn't buy this movie about a woman falling in love with a guy who's half fish, half man. I was. It was inventive. It was well done. But I just, please, this did not happen. I, I, it's, it's, it was just too far out for me. But it's gotten a lot of praise, too. And then finally, um, I know that um, the last time I saw you at the Justice League screening and you had mentioned uh, three under-the-radar films that you were raving about that you said, Jack, you have to see these films before the end of the year. One of them, I think, was called Lucky and the other one called Hero. Wait, which, what's the first one? Lucky. Lucky, yeah, it's a sweet movie. It's the last movie of... Uh, of of its star Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, he mm-hmm. plays an old codger, well cast. And what were the other two? Uh, I believe one was called Hero. A hero, yeah. I'll tell you. About, and the third one was was what? Dog Years. I think that's the one. Yes. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. Hero is with Sam Elliott, and he plays a washed up Western cowboy star honored at a little film festival. And in any other year, I would say it'll be nominated. But there's a movie previously called Dog Years. I'll give you a little news. They changed the title to it, called The Last Movie Star. Mm-hmm. Written for and about Burt Reynolds. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, and you and, love that movie. Oh my, I've seen it four times, and and um, it's won every film festival prize. It did play at Tribeca, Tribeca, and I'm surprised they're opening it this year because it's going to compete with Hero because it's about a washed-up movie star, a big star in the '70s, given a film festival. And Burt Reynolds, it's slightly fictionalized about his about his life, and he gives one of he gives the best performance of his career, bar none, playing essentially himself. They use a different name. And I'm watching Burt Reynolds at night before I go to sleep. I'm watching Gunsmoke is on, uh, on channel 461. It's so high up to get a nosebleed trying to find it. <laughs> and not the color version, the black and white Gunsmokes. And that, I remember all, you see all these old actors from that era. Uh, and boy, Burt Reynolds used to, he, people don't realize he hosted the Tonight Show 14 times. Oh, wow. He was on more than anybody. And he, I think he suffered from overexposure. 
and I don't mean to pun on his uh, nude photograph in uh, Playgirl, <laughs> I think it was. And he was on Hollywood Squares and everywhere. And he just, uh, he's not that way now. So I interviewed him and when I was at the Vero Beach Film Festival and his body is broken with uh, arthritis because he was a football star and a stuntman. And, you know, he's not married and I don't know if he lives alone, but the, there's a lot of truth to this movie. And when you see it, it's the most poignant film you're going to see in a long time. So keep an eye out for it. It's called, it's now called The Last Movie Star. The Last Movie Star. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure to talk to you and to hear these amazing, great stories. Right. Um, CBS Radio in New York City, correct, is where everybody can tune in to. WCBS in New York, WLNG on Long Island, and stations around these United States, too. All right, Jeffrey, thank you so much. Have a, have a good one. one. All, All right. right. It's time for Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Superstar directors Quentin Tarantino and J.J. Abrams are teaming up for a new Star Trek movie. The remake of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery will premiere April 19th, 2019. Julia Roberts will star in a new movie called Ben is Back. Ryan Reynolds is going to star in the Pokemon movie as Detective Pikachu. Latino actor Oscar Isaac will star in a new drama for Amazon Studios. And the new Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer is out now. Listen. I know why we're here. A rescue op. Save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? In TV news, a reboot of The Twilight Zone from Jordan Peele and Marco Ramirez is coming to CBS All Access. Netflix's House of Cards will continue its sixth and final season as planned, but without Kevin Spacey. ABC has hired Alec Baldwin to do a new interview show based on his podcast, Here's the Thing. Will Smith will host National Geographic's upcoming event series from director Darren Aronofsky, and Discovery buys part of Oprah's stake in OWN for $70 million. Switching over to music, Juanes will do a first-ever Spanish-language music performance on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Monday, December 11th. Lin-Manuel Miranda will be writing new songs for Disney's live-action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. U2 has a new album out now titled Songs of Experience, and Camila Cabello's self-titled album will debut January 12th. And in digital and social media news, have you guys heard of the new app HQ Trivia? It's the new American fixation that might just have changed the way we watch live video. Amazon Prime Video now available on Apple TV. YouTube says it's adding 10,000 staffers in 2018, and Instagram is testing Direct, a standalone messaging app that replaces the current inbox. For someone who has never seen an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants cartoons in his life, I can't believe I like this theatrical adaptation so much. I kept on shaking my head in disbelief and how it rarely gave me an excuse to dislike it. Adapted from the cartoon of the same name, this absurdly wild and multicolored staging sees our hero SpongeBob trying to save his home of Bikini Bottom from total annihilation from an erupting volcano. As soon as you walk into the theater, you can't help but feel a theme park or circus atmosphere. The inventive opening cell phone skit sets the tone for what to expect from the show, which follows ultra-imaginative production numbers that spill into the audience while listening to catchy songs composed by hit stars like Aerosmith, John Legend, Cyndi Lauper, and Sarah Bareilles, to name a few. 
Among the visual and eccentric carnival of oddities, the show still manages to weave a message of overcoming challenges in the face of adversity with your closest friends. For I might be your SpongeBob SquarePants is a crowd pleaser of the highest order. If you're a regular fan, you're gonna love it. If you've never seen an episode in your life, you'll wish you had been a fan from the very beginning. It's a little long at two hours and 30 minutes, but when you're having this much fun, who's looking at the time? SpongeBob SquarePants, the Broadway musical, is playing now at the Palace Theater in New York. That's it for episode 59 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Jeffrey Lyons for taking time out to be on our show and thank you guys for listening from your favorite streaming platform wherever you may be. I'd love to hear from you. Send me your questions or feedback to highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. That's highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. Also, if you like this U.S. Latino podcast, please share it on your social media apps. Tell your friends all about it. And if you can, have them subscribe to the show. Hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com. See you next week on another episode of Highly. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.